Hey, welcome to Mind Plus Design. This is a show where we talk about the intersectionality with mental health and graphic design. I'm Bobby, I'm a graphic designer, and my year's resolution is to take care of that awful unibrow. Today we're going to be talking about Carl Rogers and the core conditions. How do designers play a part in it? How do we utilize this? Let's get into it. Okay, in our mental health chair today, we have queen of the bangs, queen of fashion. She's also an LPC associate in the state of Texas, Andy Chapa. Hey, Andy. Hey, Bobby. Thanks for that introduction. I'm glad you see me as a a fashion queen and queen of bangs because the bangs are new. Yeah. (laughs) The bangs are rocking. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming on and probably the in my opinion, the undisputed king of color exploration. He's a graphic designer here in Atlanta. We have Keenan Mack. Hey, Keenan. Hello, hello. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Well, thank you uh, for coming on. So, again, today we are going to be covering Carl Rogers and the three core conditions. So I kind of want to start with Andy. Andy, who is Carl Rogers? Was he the OG Mr. Rogers? (laughs) I guess so. And maybe in the counseling world, he's the Mr. Rogers. Um, But basically, he developed the humanistic counseling movement. um, And he had the belief that, you know, just the relationship in counseling goes a long way. And when I say relationship, I mean therapeutic relationship between client and counselor. Um, And that basically, which is why I feel like I identify a lot with him and person-centered therapy is, is that you get to be yourself during counseling uh, to a certain extent. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like he was very much um, client focused, which we do share that kind of uh, thinking in design uh, being client-centered and audience-centered. So with him with the three core conditions, can you tell us what those are? Yeah, so for the three core conditions, um, we have congruence or genuineness, um, there's unconditional positive regard, and then there's empathy. And so what those three mean um, are genuineness, you know, that's just really showing the client, who you are, um, being authentic. Um, basically, your inner experience is matching your outer expression. Um, basically, you're not putting up a front. You're just you're just being who you are. Um, keeping it at 100. Keeping it real, but also keeping it professional, if that makes sense. So basically, at the same time, you wouldn't um, treat a client the way you would treat a friend but you do want to be able to show your personality to the client. Um, So that's what congruence or genuineness is. Um, There's also unconditional positive regard. um, And that's just being non-judgmental towards the client. So, you know, whatever it is that they're telling you, you, you don't react to it. You don't judge it. You don't, um, you, you show them that you care and you accept them for who they are and whatever they tell you. Um, which is what I feel like some clients need because, you know, 
they've been judged by so many other people. It's like they don't want to be judged by one other person, especially when they're being so vulnerable with us. Um, and then expressing empathy and understanding. And that's just basically um, reflecting that deep emotion. Um, so not feeling sorry for them, but also like trying to put yourself in their shoes um, is how I put it. Um, or being there with them. Um, I don't know if you remember that video with the, it's like the two little animals and um, one of them is like super sad and they feel like they're in a hole. And then the friend, the animal friend is like, I'm going to be in that hole with you. Um, if you feel like you're, you're deep in this hole, in this dark hole, like I'm going to be right there with you. And that's kind of what um, empathy is. I remember that because there was the other animal that's like, hey, sorry, sorry about sorry it. Sorry about that. Let me send a ladder. Yeah. But sometimes, and I guess that's where like fixing comes in is like, sometimes we don't want people to fix or solve our problems for us. We just want them to like listen and, and feel, feel that sadness, feel that anger with us. You know what I mean? Or even if it's, if, even if it's a, a happy emotion, we want them to feel that with us. For sure. So Keenan, after hearing what Andy had to say about, you know, the core conditions, how do designers use these core conditions to help build rapport with uh, their clients? So as she was speaking and saying these things, I was thinking to myself, you know, these are things that the designer probably isn't actively aware of when we're speaking to the client, but these are all things that add up to the client's experience. Like, for especially with um, positive regard, when you're talking to a client and they sometimes their vision doesn't align with the vision that the designer has in their head. But you can't you can't let that affect the way you react to them. You know, you have to say, OK, how can I how can I get them to achieve their goals without, you know, disregarding my own morals as the designer. Sometimes they want you to design certain, certain things that you don't think is gonna work, but it's your job, at the end of the day, it's your job to help that client reach their goals. And I think that's one of the things where, you know, positive regard comes in, but you're just not actively aware of that. I'm not actively thinking about it. I'm just like, okay, this is something I need to do because this is what I'm getting paid for. And I can't say, oh, I'm not gonna do that because I don't think that's gonna look good. That's not a good way to interact with the client. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hearing this really makes me think, and I hope it doesn't, <laughs> I hope it doesn't change the way I talk to clients because I still don't want to be actively aware. You know, I don't want to be thinking in my head, okay, positive regard, empathy, empathy, <laughs> this is what I need to do, you know? But, you know, from the outside looking in, it's pretty cool to hear that this is something that's been studied. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, um, Andy and I both came from the same program and it was definitely like shoveled into our head. Um, the thing with this theory and these conditions is they don't just stand on their own. You know, it is something that is kind of a base for us to go off of, especially with newer clients. Because, you know, while you guys come from different realms, uh, Keenan, when you were talking about the unconditional positive regard aspect of just making sure like we're not judging the situation. And even when we are explaining our professional standpoints, 
of it's not just a logo. You're dealing with a whole brand issue. Um, if your client's just like dead set, like that is the problem. You can only really go as far as your client wants to go. And I think that's something that Rogers really spent a lot of time on. So um, Andy, on with the core conditions, is there one uh, that you feel you've kind of struggled with? Um, is it is it cheesy if I say no, not really? <laughs> um, well, like I guess I do feel um, maybe genuineness, and when I say that, I don't mean it in a way that oh, I've never been able to be genuine with a client, like because um, you know obviously I wouldn't be in the profession if I didn't like care about mental health. Right. But when I say being authentic, I feel like starting out, I was more, um, uh, shy and like super timid and kind of hiding that part of myself. And I like to use a lot of humor, like Bobby, you know, I love to use humor, you know what I mean? And so I, I feel like I realized like I can use that in counseling once that therapeutic relationship is established and once I become, we become more comfortable with each other and um, you can kind of test the waters and I guess it goes off um, like client by client. But um, once you can kind of see like where y'all are at in your relationship, then you can kind of show more of your true self. Um, but I feel like in the beginning, it was kind of hard for me to, um, I guess, show myself um, as, as in that uh, therapeutic role, but also be like my genuine self um, and kind of show like who I am outside of here, I guess, because I didn't want those, those two personalities to, to blur. But I think I, I realized like, as long as I'm keeping it professional, I can still be myself. And I feel like that's, that's really helped me. Like um, clients have seen, you know, like my nose ring or like a tattoo and they're like, oh, okay, like she's just, a normal person, you know? Right. Yeah. And that actually brings up a really good concept or a really great um, concept of the fact that we wear different genuine hats. Mm -hmm. like how I am with my parents is not how I'm going to be all the way with my friends. Like we, we do wear different hats. So this idea of being genuine is being genuine kind of in the moment. Right. So Keenan, out of those, has there been one that maybe you struggled with when you're working with some freelance clients? Mm. I would probably have to say, you know, in words, it would probably be positive regard. Um, and although it's not something that I let affect me, you know, when I'm talking to the client, when I, it's, it's hard for me to, you know, put myself in the client's position when they're asking for certain things um, that I feel like may not either align with my morals or my aesthetic or my talents. You know, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, man, I, I don't kind of don't want to do this anymore. You know, I, I kind of just want to end this, this contract, but it's, it's, that's not something that I can let affect me because at the end of the day, I'm a designer, 
you know, I chose this path and this, you know, client designer relationship works on that alone. And um, I often find myself, you know, telling myself, okay, how am I gonna rework this in order that we're both happy? There's been tons and tons of situations where the client says something, they may say, okay, well, how about you design it this way and you design it this way, but logically it just doesn't add up. And now I have to tell my, I have to find a way to present that argument to that client without offending them, because that's the last thing you want to do is offend the client. You know, yes, they're coming to you for your expertise, but they feel like the expert, you know, and it's, it's kind of your job to make them feel like they know what they're talking about. And that's something that I'm slowly learning as a designer. It's not something, it's not something that I can do, you know, perfectly every time. Sometimes I may have to, you know, talk to someone and present that situation to them be like, Hey, you know, I'm in this situation with this client, you know, what do I do? So I'm trying to get to a place where it becomes easier to, you know, alleviate that situation. Yeah. And I, pulling something out that you just said, um, about the idea of like, uh, making sure that, um, you know, of course we're giving the client what they want, but making them feel like they are the master in the situation. Cause something that we do share in counseling, um, is they are the master of that situation. We may have a freelance client, like for me, for instance, I may have a freelance client that focuses on, you know, construction. I don't know a damn thing about construction, <laughs> but at the same time, that's where their expertise and their masters really comes into play where I can get all the information in order to kind of help speak with their voice and their language um, to better reach their audience. And um, yeah, it's, these conditions, I would say, if I focus on myself, like probably one of the hard things for me was probably unconditional positive regard. Because there are certain times where it's, you know, I've had a client come to me and, you know, I want, I, I own a, landscape, a landscaping company and um, our colors are purple and like, maroon and you're like okay but we want grass in the logo i'm like girl what like purple grass this isn't easter what are you doing like it's easy to kind of judge that situation until you start asking those deeper questions of what makes green and maroon important like what about these colors really speak to who you are as a brand and why is it important for your audience to see it? Absolutely. Because Andy, just so you know, like another aspect is we're not just designing for the client. Majority of the time we're designing for their audience. Mm -hmm. So that plays a whole nother role. Um, Andy, question for you. So Rogers is really big on silence. And I know that can be... Uh extremely uncomfortable especially like starting off when you're talking to a client because it can kind of seem like you're out in space <laughs> you know yeah. so how do you handle uh silence and what are some tips that you can give us on 
being that active listener? I think I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I remember too, that that was another thing I was struggling with in the beginning. Like whenever I was first starting to see clients and I was like, Oh my God, I want to talk so bad. Um, Cause it's so awkward and it is awkward, but I feel like you get comfortable with it as long as you um, recognize like, okay, it's awkward. Like, and it's, it's okay if it's awkward, just keep, just keep being quiet. But I think it's important because um, I've learned that in those moments when they're silent, even if they're trying, maybe if they're just trying to talk just to fill space, sometimes those are moments where they'll, they will realize things like, oh, hey, you know what? Um, I kind of feel, feel this way or like a kind of a light bulb moment, I guess. So those silent moments are actually like really important. Um, and sometimes I won't wait for them to talk first before I talk. Um, but sometimes even after like discussing something and just letting them sit with it um, is, is really beneficial. Um, but some tips, I guess, um, to keep that active listening and um, be comfortable with silence. I, I think just trying to remember that it's, it's awkward for the both of you guys. Um, if there's silence, it, don't think you have to like fill space with with talking. Um, you know, maybe like an idea will will come out of there. Or you could always follow up with a an open question, like, okay, so what were you thinking of just now? Like, um, what was that like for you sitting in silence right now? Like it was pretty awkward, right? Like you can kind of break the ice that way or follow up with an open question. Like, what was that like for you? You know? And, and I think sometimes that's when they'll start to think, you know, as we were sitting there in silence, I was thinking of this and this and this, and that's, and that's another way the conversation could go. Um, so yeah, I, I totally forgot about silence and how I struggled with it because it's so awkward, especially now through zoom. I, it's, it's like, it's so, so hard. Um, working with teenagers and then working on Zoom, it's like now it's really driving me nuts. Wow. And I'm like, just keep being quiet. Just keep being quiet. <laughs> yeah, it can it can be pretty difficult, especially when you have a client that isn't a talker. Both you guys know because I work with Keenan and Andy. You're my you know internship life. Um, you know I like to talk. I like to talk. I like to spill the tea constantly. Sometimes the tea is a little too strong and I need to shut up. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there's there are certain times where when I had a, um, especially utilizing like these series when I had a freelance client and I would just sit there and I'm like, um, are you going to say anything? And I'm like, and uh, having to explain like I'm really just kind of taking everything in. Um, because you want to make sure you're getting as much as a full story as possible because um, with this theory, there's something I like to mix in, which is narrative. So what is being said versus what is not being said? Um, and, you know, sometimes you can pull out things from uh, their nonverbal communication because nonverbal makes up a huge portion of communication. So you can really see that somebody is being frustrated and you can empathize by reflecting that feeling. So 
like for us keenan if we have a client that you know hand is just in the head like i've gone to many designers they just can't get it right you can see like they're getting frustrated they're confused like you can pull things out and you can really get to the bottom of it and it's actually helped me a couple times with some clients to actually pull out that feeling because you know you can see like the drastic change and when somebody's like they're recognizing what's kind of going on mm-hmm. so I feel like I feel yeah. like that almost kinds of it almost sets you up <laughs> when I when I hear things like that um when a client says you know I, I I've been to so many other people and they just can't seem to you know execute my vision I feel like that almost sets the tone I'm like oh man am I am I up for this you know <laughs> am I gonna be the one to actually execute their vision properly but yeah. at this, on the flip side, I think it also makes that that relationship with the client, you know, more genuine. I'm like, okay, now this is going to actually test me as a designer to see if I have the skills necessary. What what can I do differently that most designers do that isn't working for this client? So mm-hmm. while on one hand it kind of makes everything you know uncertain, on the other hand it can kind of almost push you to be better. Mm-hmm. I um, like that you mentioned that because. That's also something that we'll ask in therapy. So if a if a client has had a previous therapist, mm-hmm. one of the first things we do too is ask like, okay, what um, do you could you tell me what y'all were working on? Because you don't want to go through the same technique with them all over again, and then at the end they're just like, oh, I've done this and it's not helpful. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, okay. And I think that also shows like, okay, you are interested in seeing, you know, what has worked for you, what hasn't worked. Mm-hmm for you um what was the reason like um you left your last therapist like basically trying to dig more information to see like how you don't repeat that I guess um but also like give them the best experience possible because I guess for us like we're dealing with emotions and it's it's very fragile you know what I mean um and I'm I'm sure it's it's probably that way in in design like if they have this vision and no one was able to execute it um and you know they really want to get it done you know like and now they're putting this pressure on you like no one's been able to get it done now I'm coming coming to you um so yeah I I see like where it translates from there too yeah, and that's that's a good point because you also bring up the idea of like transference. The I uh, when we have a client that uh, does or like uses transference and puts on a lot of pressure on us, but at the same time, like there's also counter transference where we put a lot of pressure onto the client. Mm-hmm. So, Keenan, with that being said, when we're talking about transference. Has there ever been times where you felt like they are putting on the pressure on you and then maybe unconsciously, like you're kind of putting more pressure back on them? For, I wouldn't say that, at least I haven't been actively aware of me, you know, somewhat projecting onto them. Um, There have been times where I think the lack of understanding of just the design world and the business world and what works has caused a client to, you know, feel a certain way. Um, There have been times where I'm working with a client and um, there's there's a specific part in my contract where, you know, I'm saying 
50-50. You pay me 50, 50% now, and then I'll deliver your materials afterwards. And a client that I was working with, you know, um, they were like, so, you know, what am I getting myself into? Are you like trying to scam me? Why am I paying you, you know, this and this up front? How do I know that you're not just gonna, you know, take my money and leave? And, you know, <laughs> at first I was like, okay, I'm about to check this person. But, you know, I had to, I had to relax and say, this is probably their first time actually dealing with the contract, you know, because especially my age and, you know, people, they're like, oh, hey, you know, my friend is a designer. They can design this quickly for me. But no, I'm like, okay, here's the contract, you know, you need to sign it within this time. So I had to, you know, I had to copy and paste a specific clause where it says like, you know, the designer is to be held responsible for providing all materials to the client. And, you know, I said that to them <laughs> and all they could say was, oh, I'm sorry, you know? And it's like, yeah. I was so upset at first, you know, I was texting, I even texted Renee. I was like, Renee, this client, I don't want to work with them anymore. They think they know it all. <laughs> and, you know, after that experience, I was like, this is probably, you know, they probably don't know the ins and out of this. So I just have to calm down and realize that it's not personal. Yeah, that, um, by the way, Renee hopefully will be joining us in March for part two of uh, mm -hmm. self-love. And uh, she's wonderful. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad that you I'm glad that you went to her. And um, yeah, that's is very much true uh, because a lot of Rogers is really built on like open communication. Mm -hmm. So even with a contract, that's the perfect time to practice those core conditions because you're being genuine to yourself and to them. You're practicing unconditional positive regard. We've agreed to this, you know, even though if it's something like you don't agree with, you're like, the job is set to do this. And, you know, um, you're not judging their situation or anything like that. And then you're practicing empathy by saying, like, this is, uh, I understand your frustration and the time limit and everything. Yes. So we're going to work together. I'm going to be with you every step. There's something uh, Melinda Spidely says um, that I absolutely 100% adore, and I hope I said her last name right, but um, she said, if a client is treating you like an order taker, that is not the relationship you want. Mm -hmm. You want to be treated like a partner. And I think mm -hmm. in therapy, it's the same thing. That's really where a lot of empathy comes in. We want to be a partner in this situation, not exactly an order taker. And that, that's something I think as designers, we have to learn is how not to be an order taker. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I feel like when I was a young designer, I was like, you want some fries with that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it almost, with keeping that mindset will help you not get burnt out. You know, because yes, we are providing a service, but we're not machines, you know, and specifically with design, you know, sometimes depending what field of designs, let's say, for instance, uh, animation, you know, that's tedious work. Oh, yeah. But some clients, they don't know that <laughs> they might want you to do one thing and then they're like, you know what, can you go back, erase all of this and animate it this way? And you're just like... <laughs> you know <laughs> that was 60 hours of work i can't just erase it you know so i feel like 
being upfront and beginning and being like, hey, you know, this is what I do. Um, this is the type of, you know, responses that I expect from you. Now, you give me the same feedback and let me know what type of, you know, services you expect from me. And that way, we won't even have to worry about that along the line. That's wonderful. I love that concept of telling them, like, this is the kind of, uh, this is the kind of feedback I want. I just started doing that. Like, this is the, like, the stuff I need. Massive, massive difference when you're being direct. It's kind of a thing with um, Rogers, Andy. We talk a lot about Rogers kind of being an indirect form of therapy, but really there's ways that you can still be direct with Rogers. Oh, for sure. Um, I think, like, um, the purpose of, you know, those core conditions is to establish that relationship so then you know it is kind of like in in anything really like once like let's say you meet a new friend me and Bobby um and uh you know once you get comfortable with that friend you're able to say like hey I don't think this is a really good decision for you to do or something and I know you can't say that in therapy of course but once you establish that therapeutic relationship with them you can kind of be more direct so like, um, so, uh, like example, if a client is, um, struggling with substance use, but they're like, you know what, I think I'm going to like have one beer. And then you can kind of point out to them like, okay, last week you were saying how bad you felt about this and just kind of point out the facts, uh, or like the observation. Um, and it's like, you're here for, uh, substance use, but at the same time, or not bud, but, and, um, you're saying you want to drink. So how does that, how does that like work towards your end goal? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think in those ways you can be direct without coming off as aggressive. Um, and just kind of point out again, like your observation. So saying things like, um, I noticed last session or, um, you know, last session, I, I noticed that you were, you were really worried about this one thing. I think pointing out like what you see can make it more um, coming off as more as like a, a caring type mm -hmm. of direct, um, mm -hmm. a caring type of, uh, what's the word? Um, confrontation yeah. <laughs> um, without being super aggressive. Um, but yeah. yeah. And because I had this tattooed on the back of my leg with the ampersand, the power of saying and versus saying but. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why right now, and I feel like that's something that I still, like, work on. Like, y'all saw me right now. I was like, but, and then I was like, and, sorry. Yeah. I said a but, but I meant to say and. Um, no, yeah. It's pretty, um, it's pretty ironic that you bring that up uh, about talking or thinking about how the relationship changes as the relationship progresses and that's something I've never thought about from a design perspective you know thinking about okay I probably couldn't say that to them now but mm -hmm. let's say three projects later you know I could probably be like you know uh Kevin I'm not designing that that's not going to look good you know mm -hmm. you can't say that to someone that you're just starting a relationship with because they're going to be like all right, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with someone else. But, you know, once you establish a relationship, you probably can be a little bit more, you know, direct 
and specific mm-hmm. about what works and doesn't work. And um, I'm glad that you brought that up because now that's going to be something that I have to be aware of, you know, thinking, all right, Keenan, you probably can't say that to them now, but try and hold the relationship until you get to a point where you can be direct and a little mm-hmm. bit more outspoken with the things you right. say to them. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Using that technique that Andy was saying, like, on one hand, you're saying this, and on the other hand, because sometimes even when you are establishing that beginning relationship and they are kind of telling their story, it's sometimes it's just getting some clarification. Right. Because they both do play the same realm, but they're leaving out some important aspects. Like we're talking about with that narrative, that deconstruction, what is being said versus not. So a client comes to you with, you know, the grass logo. Oh my God, that grass logo. (laughs) So the grass logo, right? Well, I really want the grass to be purple and, you know, but I want it to look like grass. Okay, so you're saying, you know, you want purple for the grass. And on the other hand, you want it to be realistic. Can you kind of explain like how these concepts play in the same realm? Mm -hmm. And they can say, well, I want the look of the grass to be very authentic, very like realistic, but I want it to be like shades of purple or I want it to have a gradient of purple. And it's like, okay. And what it does is kind of just open up that, uh, open up that, communication airway where you can say awesome like I'm getting some clarification because Keenan I know you and I have probably faced the same thing with a client who's just like spitting things out and they're like you are missing major parts of this yes first I still don't know your name (laughs) (laughs) let's rewind a bit (laughs) so it's like hello I'm Bobby let's talk again so I mean, that with taking that kind of step, we what we do is we stop becoming those order takers and we start saying, I'm I'm really here to be your partner. I'm really here to make sure that you have the best experience possible. Um, Andy, with saying that, this is going to be something that we cover in May with the art of saying no. Mm-hmm. Even with building that rapport, have you ever experienced a time where the relationship just still did not work and you had to kind of tell your client like I'm not the best fit for you I have not had that yet um but I know that there was this one time I did have um a client who I guess didn't really want therapy at the time and um he was coming in for for angry issues and, and things like that. Um, and he kept saying, you know, like, I don't know what I'm going to get out of this and, and things like that. And I felt like I never really got to connect with him. Um, and I think one of the reasons could be was that like, you know, he didn't want counseling to begin with. And that's one of the things that, you know, Bobby, we talk about in, in counseling is that like if someone's not ready for it it's not going to be very effective like they have to to want it and that's okay they have to want to want to change or want to um work on uh whatever issues that they're struggling with and i think that's like a big part of it um but also he was able to um able to say you know what i don't think i'm going to come back anymore and and that's okay 
Um, but I, I do remember one time I forgot, I forgot what I said, but I used humor and he seemed like the, the most angry, angriest person in the world. He would get mad at like everything would say like from road rage to like someone looking at him, he would want to like beat them up, things like that. Um, and I don't remember what I said, but I made him laugh and I had never seen him laugh before. And then that's when I kind of found, found out like, oh, I could use humor in this. But mm-hmm. then um, he was kind of like, I just don't think the whole counseling thing is for me, um, which is fine. But um, yeah. but that moment was really nice. <laughs> yeah. he, was like, he was like, oh, my God, I've never laughed in here before. And I was like, I don't even I wasn't even trying to be funny, but I'm glad I'm glad you laughed. I mean, I wonder in that situation if you kind of gave him a little more space to say, you know what, like, I feel comfortable now saying that I'm just not ready. Yeah. Keenan on in the graphic design, have you ever built a relationship with somebody um, and you felt like it was going well, but they weren't ready and you had to kind of say, okay, like, we need to stop the relationship or... Have you ever felt a time where, like, it wasn't working and you had to stop the relationship? Absolutely. The only difference I would say is that um, that communication never came or it never arose where I said, all right, this is at the end. It kind of just subsided on its own, you know, just Mm. due to lack of responses. And this has happened on multiple occasions. Um, And I feel like now that I'm a better designer and I know how to you know, navigate through the business world a little bit better. That probably won't happen. But when I was first starting out, there would be so many times where I'm speaking with someone, they're really excited about this new idea that they came up with, you know, this new business or brand. And they're like, hey, Keenan, you know, can you design this for me? And I'm like, sure, okay. There's no contracts involved, none of this. And we start talking about all these ideas, but I'm noticing now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't notice at the time, but they weren't ready for for, you know, to have designs done. They kept throwing out all of these ideas, you know, expecting me to kind of create their visual, you know, branding. But even though I'm the designer, you also have to have a, you know, almost like a rule, a rule book of what you want your company to be like. You know, it's not my job to say, all right, well, I think your brand should represent this. That's not, you're telling me what it represents and then I, you know, find that, that bridge, that gap for you. So, um, I think that's the best way I can probably translate, you know, Andy's experience to mine is that there's been tons of times where, you know, these clients, they're just, they just aren't ready. They haven't fully thought out everything that they want. And now that I'm a better designer, I think I can, um, I can point out these signs early in the relationship and be like, hey, you know, maybe we should take a step back. We should end this. You should think about what you want your brand to represent and then we can come back. And that way I feel like we'll have a much smoother transition to getting you what you need. For sure. I have a really good thing for when I know like a client's just like stepping away, like they're obviously not ready. Mm -hmm. Um, I say, you know what? They're just not ready for this jelly. (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh and i mean i thought you were gonna say something like serious i was like yeah (laughs) and then it was destiny's child you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) now it's 
you notice how like it changes the environment when it's just like I immediately don't think about it kind of harming me like okay I know what I did was right I know like I tried my best just didn't work out it didn't pan out and guess what that is okay that is so okay that it didn't pan out you know there means that means there's another door there's another opportunity out there just waiting and I don't know there's just something I say I am again in May we're going to be covering kind of uh we're going to cover kind of the art of saying no and kind of processing through that but um with that being said with these uh kind of core concepts Keenan what would you tell a young designer um or how would you kind of teach these concepts to a young designer mm. I think the best way um, would be through, <laughs> as funny as it sounds, role-playing. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like assigning certain um, jobs and descriptions to them, you know, I could play the client this time, and then the next time I play the designer. And I kind of, I would, you know, orchestrate these scenarios to represent, you know, some situations that we may run into. And then I'll see how it plays out. And then after that, I think I could say, okay, why didn't this work? We could sit down. Why didn't we come to an agreement? You know? And then I feel like having them actually go through it will will help them, you know, help them absorb it better. It versus me just sitting down and saying, okay, this is what you're going to run into and this is how you solve it. You know? Yeah, that could help. But actually having them go through it, I feel like they'll remember it more because that's how I learned what not to do by experiencing those situations. I didn't learn just by hearing it. I had real experiences and I remember them more. So I think that would be the best way to teach something as intricate as this is just having them go through it. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, one thing, um, Keenan, you, Renee, Adriana, JP, and... Dara do, which, by the way, students, fantastic. Um, but, you know, designers are fantastic. And one thing you taught me as a art director going into, like, wanting to go into a creative director role, something for art directors and creative directors, like, what Keenan said was incredibly powerful. There's this kind of uh, intergenerational thing that we do, we all like to do, where it's like, oh, that's not the real world, that's not the real world, but we have to understand that everybody is going to experience it so differently, and your experience really doesn't play on their part. You have to let them experience it. You know, if they fall on their face, that is an experience, that is something they can learn. If it's something that's really obvious, how did they perceive it? How did they get through it? Like, that's a great way to kind of mentor is ask more questions about how they perceived it. And, you know, they can pull some things out that you can learn from creative directors and art directors. You can still learn from junior designers and from students. So please like keep on going and keep on reaching out to some of these younger designers and uh, really listen to how they're experiencing situations uh andy for uh a young therapist or somebody who's going through their master's program 
how would you teach these? I mean, first, they are the first things that we learn um, whenever we're, we're learning uh, all the different theories, but also we have to know about these before we go on to um, practice those. So I know that uh, Keenan said uh, role play and he was like, I know it's gonna sound kind of funny, but, but that's something exactly that we do. And mm. there's a whole class around uh, um, practicing with your colleagues in the master's program. And it's just like role playing through, um, through counseling um, like you would with a client. So I think those can be really helpful. But um, when teaching these, I feel like sometimes, um, first off, I think people have to go into the counseling profession for the right reasons. Because, Bobby, I know that we had run into a lot of different um, people in the program that I'm like, we're like, how are they going to be a counselor? <laughs> Because yeah, sometimes true. they have to have those, you know, they already have to be like that, that warm person. Because mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes the core conditions for therapy can't really be like taught in a book. And like, yes, they can be pointed out and um, you can let them know like, hey, this is how, you know, you, you need to be. But if they're, if they're just kind of like faking it, mm -hmm. especially um, acceptance and, and empathy, um, that's going to be really hard because if, if a client, um, can see them, um, that outward expression, but they don't really feel like it's matching to, to the inward, um, like how I mentioned earlier, like there's that congruence. I don't think it'll, it'll be effective. Um, so I feel like in order to teach these two, I think the person has to, has to believe in these. In these things like if, if these are some things they kind of already practice in their everyday life you know what I mean if it's hard for them to put themselves in other people's shoes then it's probably going to be hard for them to to have that empathy and then if it's like oh if they're constantly judging every single thing a person does it might be hard for them to have that unconditional positive regard and I'm not just talking about like differences I'm talking about like everything like oh why do they have their hair like that or why are they why are they this way you know and it's it's hard because um like when we're talking about unconditional positive regard like Bobby you know that I've had so many clients who are like homophobic and I'm just they're wow. like I don't like lesbians and I'm just like okay like <sighs> in the in my mind I'm like yeah like I'm like oh my god but on the outside I have to be like you know this is what they're saying like they don't have to know about me <laughs> um and uh like I'm not gonna judge them for it like I'm not here to judge them so you kind of have to push those things away but if a person can't really push that away then it's going to be hard for them to even keep that relationship with their client yeah, and that's a really good point, too, is sometimes you're just not going to understand. Again, construction. I don't understand construction. But, you know, it doesn't mean that the empathy stops because you can't really visually see yourself in their shoes. It means try harder. Right. Really, like, drop down what you know. 
um, let them be the master in that situation because they understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're at the very end of this episode, so uh, it's time for the infamous question. Andy, what is something <laughs> you learned from Keenan? Oh, I took so many notes. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, I did because I was just thinking the whole time, like, oh, my gosh, this is so similar. And that's because, like, um, Bobby, the, the previous episode that I had been on, I was like, wow, there's a lot of similarities. And, and I didn't think I'd see, like, different ones today, but I did. And I was like, oh, my God, it's another similarity, another one. Um, I want to say, like, what I learned is, you know, um, when you said, like, about you not agreeing with your client's vision, it's not necessarily how, like, um, you're not going to be like, okay, yeah, I don't agree with that. So like find someone else kind of thing. And that's kind of the same thing in counseling is like, like I said, I've had so many homophobic people or like, um, I don't just other things that, you know, like I don't believe in. Um, but, and I have to just kind of like push that away and, you know, just be present um if I don't agree with it and but if that gets in the way of my work then I need to address that um but I can't ever like impose my values or my beliefs on the person and so I like how you you brought that up because that is something that's also true in therapy um that's and that brings me to another thing is like being aware of those biases that we have so if there's something that y'all don't like in the design world you're like ooh, like Bobby said with the purple grass and stuff um, of course, like you wouldn't make that face to them. Like, are you sure you want purple grass? <laughs> like, mm, I don't know if that'll be good, but okay. okay, you want it, I guess. Like, you know, you, you kind of have to be aware of that, that self-talk that you have in your mind. Um, another thing is that I noticed that both of these professions, um, or especially with person-centered therapy, it's, it's, um, an active relationship it's a very collaborative relationship. Um, and I think that's the same thing in the design world. Um, also when you were talking about the whole contract thing, um, and how you said like you got so mad and you, you text your friend and everything like that. But then in hindsight, you were like, they probably don't know the ins and outs of it. Right. Um, that's another thing too, in therapy that like, you know, some people will be like, I don't know why I'm here. Like they just told me to come here like blah 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 I don't even know what therapy is and and things like that and sometimes you know you'll get frustrated but then you have to be like okay you know what they don't know about this so let me teach it to them um let me help them understand it and if at the end they're still like you know what I don't really want therapy then that's fine and you know but even just like by educating them about it like you can kind of get an understanding of like okay you know what they didn't understand this now I can I can explain it to them um but yeah and I guess I just want to end with uh that I I feel like with all those similarities I feel like both of us in these professions have to pay attention to a lot of detail um so it's not just from the things that we hear um it's from the things that we see too so it's it may not be like what a client is telling you but um the things that you notice about them so maybe I don't know in in y'all's uh profession maybe it could be like okay like their style that they're like 
that they're giving off or like the clothes that they're wearing like I wonder if this could work in like if I'm trying to gauge like what type of person they are or something like that because I know we pay attention to like body language and eye contact and like tone of voice and things like that so um but yeah I think oh my god I learned so much and I learned that we're super similar um and I think that's really cool well that's Keenan, it is your turn. Bring it home. Oh, no. I don't know what answer is going to match up to hers. Oh, no, don't compare, don't compare yourself. Thank you. I just, I'm like, oh, my God. It's so cool. But, no, the biggest thing, and I think the most important thing I learned is um, when Andy was speaking about, you know, <clears throat> her relationship with the client and how that changes over time, you know, um, that wasn't something that I was actively aware of, you know? And I think with now that I'm looking at um, the relationship, I think it'll help me try to maintain the relationship a bit more. You know, in the beginning where I'm working with a client and I'm noticing, I'm like, wow, this, this probably isn't gonna work out. You know, at that point I would just end it. But now where I'm like, all right, you have to remember you're in the early stages. This is a new experience for them maybe. Um, and, you know, things are going to change. Things are going to get different. So what can you do to maintain this relationship? So that way, like we said, you're, you know, you're, build, you're building rapport with this person. And I think that will really help me show some, you know, empathy towards the client. And I think with that, it'll make me a better, res not only a better designer, but just a better person in general, which is thinking about, all right, you have to remember this is this new relationship is new for the both of you guys. You're not best friends, you know? You're not gonna speak to each other in the way that you would your best friend. So mm -hmm. what can you guys both do in order to make this feel like a more comfortable situation? And I definitely, definitely think that that's going to help me a lot in the future moving forward. For sure. Well, thank you both for being on and really kind of exploring this topic. And I'm hoping that to a lot of the young designers or even older designers who are hearing this, maybe really kind of look at the core condition and see how you're utilizing it. How can you utilize it? Um, to any educators out there, how can you teach your students about these core conditions? Um, and next month, we're gonna dive into self-love. Um, we have a really great episode lined up. It's a really important one. We have some really good episodes uh, coming up uh, again thank you guys so much this is mind plus design hey thanks for listening if you like the show share it with a friend share it with a colleague share it with that woman down the street the one who walks her cats next month we're going to talk about self-love this is going to be a two-part series so make sure you listen in and again this is mind plus design i'm going to go take care of that unibrow Hey, so I use Anchor to record all my podcasts. It's super easy, super simple, super great to use. Check it out.